0: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly.
1: I've noticed a number of peculiar incidents among the members of the student body, all having to do with rock and roll music. Uh,
2: Oh, I'm Benjamin.
0: Now, if you don't think this song is the greatest song ever, I will fight you.
3: Jim, some people would describe all rock and roll as scary. But you and I know that certain tunes are especially creepy and perfect for Halloween. This week, we're going to present
4: more of our favorites and a few of yours. I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DiRigatis of Vocaloid.org. Stay tuned for our Halloween special and a review of the new album from the Scottish pop band, Belle and Sebastian, coming up today on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for our Halloween special. I know Halloween is the Cot family's favorite holiday. I love dropping by your house at this time of year and seeing the rock and roll graveyard you create on your lawn. We do it up every year, man. Morrison's in there. You, did you put Kurt Cobain in <laughs> <yet>? it's <laughs> Morrison
3: Elvis, right? We've had Johnny Cash, we've had Elvis, we've had Ray Charles.
4: So yeah, it's a it's a big holiday in our neighborhood. Well, then we got to get into playing some special music for it. Uh, we've done this in the past. We're going to do it again. There is no shortage in rock and roll of wonderful creepy horrifying, bone-chilling music. You may want to take small children and pets out of the room for this part of the show. As usual with these shows, we like to start it with a coin toss, get to see who goes first. What do you say? Let's put uh, Bella Lugosi on one side of the coin and Lon Chaney Jr. on the other. I'm going to go with Bella. And the coin is in the air. And the winner is Lon Chaney Jr., the wolf man. That means I get to go first, Greg, also the star of Spider Baby, little-known cult film that is probably the creepiest movie I've ever seen. Wow. Trust me, check it out. I am going to talk about a new group that has made one of my favorite records of the year. They're called Salem. They're an electronic trio from Traverse City, Michigan, although they did some time in Chicago. I talked about them briefly last March when we came back from the South by Southwest Music Festival. They polarized the room. I have not seen people so thoroughly love or hate a band since I saw suicide in my teens in New York City. I have come down with the release of their first full album, King Knight firmly on the loving side of this group this is amazing you take every strain of creepy music going back to the classical music heyday and put it together and that's what you have i mean we have gothic dark wave we have classical choral music we have southern hip-hop crunk we have that trippy psychedelic genre called trip-hop and a whole bunch of other stuff i can't even name all employed by these three people one female vocalist, one male vocalist to summon this aura of the dark backwoods and some creepy satanic cyborgs committing unholy acts there or maybe some pagans from years of yore, you know, fast forwarded into the future on a space station it's ancient but it's futuristic and it's thoroughly creepy I'm going to play the song King Knight," the title track of Salem's new album here it is on Sound Opinions I love that. I love that so much. That is King Knight by Salem. People are fighting about what genre to call it, but I think the one that's winning is Witch House. I love that. I love that name.
3: (laughs) Wow. That is a heavy-duty start there, Jim. I'm going to go to 1967 for my first track and highlight some of the songwriting of Willie Dixon. Now, you know, everybody knows blues is pretty dark stuff for the most part anyway, But I think Dixon, one of the most versatile songwriters in blues history, pushed it to another level with this song. It's a duet with his protege, Coco Taylor. Coco was one of the few women on the Chicago blues scene in the late 50s, early 60s, when Dixon said, hey, we need to start making some records with you at Chess Studios. And he was writing specifically for her. And this track I'm going to play is a track that he viewed as an exchange between a a former set of lovers— It's called Insane Asylum, and you can guess what happens here. I mean, love is so powerful, or the lack of it, that it's going to make you lose your mind. And this is some really dark stuff. I mean, even if there were no vocals on it, just the sound of Gene Barge's saxophone... And Lafayette Leaks organ would give you the sense of this gothic drama. There is not good stuff happening in this song. Then you add the vocals of Dixon and Taylor, and you've got some madness inducing stuff. It's insane a sound from Dixon and Taylor on Sound Opinions. Dixon, Coco Taylor, Insane Asylum, great blues track. Jim, what do you got next in our Scary Songs
4: lineup? I am going to go from Witch House to I think Rock and Roll's best ever song about a haunted house. The second album by the incredible art punk band from Cleveland, Pear Ubu, is called Dub Housing. Apparently it was referring to a line of square apartment complexes in Cleveland where the band was living at the time. But It also makes reference to dub reggae and those creepy layers of of echoes that you heard in something like uh, Lee Scratch Perry's work. What they did with the title track of dub housing is, I think, paint a, a really creepy portrait of a haunted house. And not just the cartoon haunted house. Listen to what Dave Thomas sings. Have you heard about this house inside a thousand voices talk? And that talk echoes around and around. The walls have ears. In the dark, a thousand insect voices chitter-chatter. Man, it's creepy. And Thomas, at this point, giant of a man, would channel this character he called Crocus Behemoth. He is one of the nicest people in the world. We've had him on Sound Opinions. But when he plays that character on stage, he is scary. Here is Dub Housing by Perubu on Sound Opinions.
5: Have you heard about this house? A thousand voices we talk, know. and that talk echoes around and around. The windows reverberate, the walls have ears, a thousand sets of four voices talk. We know, we know, you should hear how we syllogize. We know, we should hear. It's all the thousand and
4: and I are running down some of our favorite scary songs in honor of Halloween. That was Dub Housing by Pear Ubu. We also want to hear from some of our listeners. Our first caller is another music nut like we are. Pat is a band teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota. Pat, welcome to Sound Opinions.
6: Very happy to be here.
4: What is your pick for a really scary song for Halloween?
6: You know, I couldn't resist picking What's He Building In There by the ever scary Tom Waits.
4: Yeah. That is a frightening song. And Waits is always one of the most nominated uh, artists whenever we talk about scary songs. But what do you like about this tune?
6: Well, first of all, just his voice. Like I think Tom Waits has the whole scary pirate act down pretty cold with a lot of his songs. And I know that vampires are all the rage these days, but to me, especially recently, his voice has been screaming to me either crazy pirate or, you know, sad pirate or some form of pirate. What's he building in there?
5: What the hell is he building in there? He has subscriptions to those magazines. He never waves when he goes by. He's hiding something
6: from the rest of us. He's all to himself. I think I know why. The second part is... Just this whole small town gossiping about this recluse who is focusing on this really creepy project. And then all like the, the sounds that they have going with all the bumps and the scrapes and the pounding and the hammers. It's just really, really creepy. See, I
4: never heard it as gossip. I heard it as like you live next door to Ed Gein. And, and, and you really don't want to know what he's doing in there.
6: See, I've, I've always kind of heard it like it's either a couple of housewives chatting on the phone while one has the mini-blinds open just a peek, like trying to <laughs> peer in, uh, in his living room window, or like it's a bunch of kids outside the scary gates on their bicycles with a carton of eggs, you know, trading stories that they've heard before they're about to chuck him out his window.
3: Great stuff. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, thank
6: you so much. He's pounding nails into a hardwood floor.
5: I swear to God, I heard someone moaning low. What's he building in there? We have a
3: right to know. Next up is Margaret from Manhattan, Kansas. Hey, Margaret, you're on Sound Opinions. Hi. Tell us about your scariest song.
6: Well, I picked Old Time Religions, Cold Water. I picked it because the lead singer's voice is probably in- One of the scariest voices I've ever heard. (laughs) I just think there's something really terrifying about how he sings. It's very uh, crazed preacher. And then the music enhances that. It's kind of got this, like, can kraut rock backdrop.
4: Let's hear a little of this. All-time religion with a song called Cold Water. Now, that's like a more American Nick Cave fronting can. I love that. I'm terrified.
6: I think (laughs) I love you now,
4: Margaret. You just turned me on to, like, my new favorite record.
6: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'm a big Captain Beefheart fan, and the way he sings definitely reminded me of of that sort of vocal style. It's just completely maddened.
3: (laughs) Cold Water, great choice of a track. Man, oh, man, Margaret, I know when I run out of candy on Halloween, what band I'm going to play <laughs> to make keep, sure to keep, keep the kids away. The kids away.
4: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for your contribution to our scary shows. Have a happy Halloween.
6: Yeah, you guys too.
3: to continue counting down the scariest songs in rock after a quick break on sound opinions from wbez chicago and prx and later on bell and sebastian write about love Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with my partner, Jim DeRogatis. We're running down some of our favorite scary rock songs of all time. There never seems to be an end to the number of scary songs that you can uh, pull out each year, Jim. No, and who
4: doesn't love Halloween,
3: really? It's a great holiday, and it has inspired some amazingly chilling music. I'm going to go back to the early 80s for the band Husker Du out of Minneapolis. They were just starting to evolve out of that hardcore scene and and working some melody into their music. You can really hear it on their Metal Circus EP, and the key track on that EP for me was the song I'm going to play next, uh, Diane, among the most harrowing songs this band has ever written. It was primarily written by the drummer Grant Hart. It depicts, with rather savage detail, Uh, The rape and murder of a 19-year-old waitress who was a friend of the band, a tragic event that was uh, much written about in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area in uh, 1980-81. The man who committed this heinous crime was uh, later convicted, sentenced to prison, and the band paid tribute to her in this song Even though the song is written from the first-person perspective of the victimizer, the man who hunted this woman down and killed her, I really hear it as a tribute to Diane. I mean, it's, it almost sounds like he's saying dying in the chorus rather yeah. than, than Diane. And also just the scream, the, the tone in his voice, among the all-time great screams, Jim, in rock and roll as far as I'm concerned. And you talk about Little Richard or John Lennon or, or Kurt Cobain. This is a truly harrowing scream. Let's play the track. It's called Diane from Husker du on Sound Opinions.
4: Diane by Husker Du from Metal Circus. Greg, you're right. Absolutely an astounding track. One of the great bands of all time, Husker Du. Gotta say it. So hard to follow that, I have to try for three artists in one song. Hmm. Nina Hagen goes back to the late 70s new wave movement. She was born in East Germany, but immigrated to the West in the late 70s and began a musical career. One of the founding godmothers, if you will, of the kind of goth movement, the atmospheric, moody dance movement, went on to record in the 80s with Giorgio Moroder, who, of course, made a star of Donna Summer, and remains very inventive and moving forward to this day. Early in the new millennium, she paired up with the Finnish cello metal band, apocalyptica (laughs) they're known for covering metallica songs but with cellos to cover a song by yet another band the german doom gloom industrial group rammstein i'm not a big rammstein fan it's a little sticky to me but when nina hagen sings it over metal leaning cello it's amazing the song is called seaman and it's about a sailor Most of the lyrics are in German, Greg, except for the starting line, come in my boat. Everything that follows, I'm not sure what the German translation is, but everything that follows says, don't get in the boat. You know (laughs) like in the horror movies when you're sitting there saying, don't open that door, don't go outside, don't go in the basement, don't get in this boat, no matter how alluring Nina Hagen sounds or those cellos. Here is Nina Hagen and the cello band Apocalyptica with Simon on Sound Opinions. (sighs)
5: Sturm kommt auf und es wird Nacht wo For
3: Apocalyptica with Nina Hagen and a song called Simon on Sound Opinions. Boy, that is scary stuff. <laughs> I told you. About, there's something about the German language, too, that lends itself to just, you know, creepy kind of scenarios. It is the language of horror. Yes, it is. indeed. This next track is from the late 90s, one of my very favorite bands ever out of Chicago who made one of my favorite albums of the 90s. It's called Through the Trees. I'm talking about the Handsome Family, basically a husband and wife Couple, Brett and Rennie Sparks. Brett with the uh, resonant baritone voice, a man of many instruments. Hugely talented musician, his wife Rennie, a brilliant writer and lyricist, she provides most of the lyrics on their songs, also plays auto harp. Their key moment was Through the Trees. What a great album. And The Capstone is a truly terrifying song in a lot of ways. Again, a song about mental illness. Basically, Brett Sparks detailing his own difficulties with bipolar disorder. He spent some time in a mental institution. And this is a very much a no-holds-barred account of his time in that institution, haunted by his own ghost, pounding on the ceiling while he's strapped to this bed in this institution. Great, great piece of music. I can't think of anything more appropriate for Halloween in a lot of ways when you talk about losing your mind, just seeing your mind unravel and then detailing it later on. It's called My Ghost from the Handsome Family on Sound Opinions.
2: My ghost drives around with a bag of dead fish Falling neutrinos drift through the trees. He staggers and reels, runs up credit card bills And clogs up the toilet with bottles Uphill. Here in the body.
4: That is My Ghost by the Handsome Family on Sound Opinions. Wonderful stuff, Greg. We also wanted to uh, throw this out to our listeners and get some scary choices from them. Scott is from Chicago, and he's next up on the line. Scott, welcome to Sound Opinions.
1: Thanks. Good to be here. What do you got for us? Well, my pick was Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett.
4: Oh, come on. That's a classic, of course, for Halloween. Yeah, but, but is yeah. it scary? And it scares you.
1: I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you why it was scary. Well, I, I inherited the 45 from my brother or sister when I was a, a child, and it, would, it was already kind of warped. So I put it on my player, and aside from just the fact that I was, you know, I was a big fan of the movies back when I was a kid, and uh, werewolves and vampires and all that kind of stuff, and the fact that they were all getting together at a, at a party seemed to me a little creepy. Like maybe I would somehow <laughs> stumble upon this party and, you know, be eaten or something. Was the one part. I was a very impressionable child. The second part of it was. That the record, because it was warped, it skipped. And the very beginning of the very first line, I believe, was I was working in the lab late one night.
2: I was working in the lab
1: late one night. And it would skip right up to that line. So I would just hear over and over I was working in the lab, working in the lab, working in the lab. And I wouldn't.
5: Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and
1: it, would just, it was just, in fact, it was kind of warped. And at the time, I thought it was Boris Karloff, you know, uh, actually his voice. I guess I was maybe a lazy child. I wouldn't get up and move the needle over right away or something to the rest of the song. So that kind of seeped into my brain for some reason that song always really creeped me out I'm sure because of that
4: it's only the uh, Scott in Chicago special Warped remix of yeah, the monster exactly. Bash. And see, you can't have that kind of fun with your iPod. I mean, it was only like because of the joys of having it on a turntable and a skipping record. You know, yeah, digital clipping yeah. is not the same as the skip in the <laughs> record or the scratch or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Scott. That's a, a fine suggestion. A, a little strange, man, but but a fine suggestion. I
1: completely agree. Very strange. I was
2: looking in the lab late one night when
4: my eyes
5: beheld.
2: An eerie sight For my monster from his slab Began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash. He did the monster, the monster match It was a graveyard smash
5: He did the mash.
3: It caught on in a flash He did
5: the mash.
3: He did the monster match
7: From my lab
3: Okay, Jim, we've got one final caller. It's John from Cincinnati. John, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you. So tell us about your scariest rock track. What song gives you the heebie-jeebies?
0: The song that gives me the heebie-jeebies would be Black Sabbath off of the Black Sabbath album of the same name. It's probably, for me, one of the scariest lead-off tracks of the time period. And in the context of the time that I first heard it, I came of age during the 1980s. Satan is everywhere in (laughs) music, period. You know, hear that song, All Alone in a Dark Basement, I was convinced that these guys were in the club. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these, these guys are having coffee with the devil on a daily basis for brainstorming <laughs> sessions is, is the image in my head. Still to this day, when I hear the song, it, it raises the hair on the back of my neck.
4: John, it's one of those things where initially, and I'm sure, Greg, you had the same thought. You said, Oh, that's too easy, right? But there are just some things that are, like, incontrovertible. Really scary music, Sabbath, first song, first album. It, it really doesn't get any better.
2: In black which
5: part Well, if this
0: song had been released 15 years later, they would have had to to throw a a label on the cover that says, Warning Evil Inside.
3: Did you uh, get nightmares from listening to this record?
1: Well,
0: again, in the context of the time period, Geraldo is on television talking about Satan picking teenagers off of the streets because they're listening to heavy metal music. Not nightmares, but it's claustrophobic, and it's desperate, and it's gloomy, and it's just all of the things that a killer, spooky album should be.
4: You are absolutely correct, John. Have a happy Halloween, and thank you for uh, the best scary song ever. Appreciate it. Some great picks from our listeners at Greg, but you and I each have one more of our own, and I have by far... Save the creepiest for last. So creepy, so scary, you were even asking me not to play it. (laughs) I'm gonna do it though. I'm gonna do it. You can cry if you want. That's true. I was I was begging
3: you not to play it because I am creeped out, genuinely creeped out by this. This is
4: a creepy song. Ween was a duo originally the uh, fake brothers dean and gene ween i first saw them play before any recordings came out in the basement club scene of new brunswick new jersey these guys were odd from day one they would wear stockings over their heads they would suck helium to change their voices (laughs) they were just really creepy and they've only gotten creepier as the years went by somehow in the midst of the alternative era they were signed to electric records For their fourth studio album, they got to do a fairly big production on an album called Chocolate and Cheese. These guys always came from left field, kind of rapping, singing, with a little guitar, a little weird keyboards over a drum machine. Here they were blowing things up a little more, but getting even creepier. The song I'm talking about is Spinal Meningitis Got Me Down. There is something horrifying about the idea of a kid who is suffering from spinal meningitis, Talking to mommy, talking to God. Am I really gonna die? Please don't let them hurt me. Keep in mind it's these two weird, goofy, hippie slackers, but man is it creepy. Here is Ween. Spinal meningitis got me down on Sound Opinions.
3: That is Ween with Spinal Meningitis Got Me Down on Sound Opinions. Jim, thank you. You have thoroughly terrified me with you, that song. You, you can stop holding my hand now, please. <laughs> I'm going to give you one better, though. This song gives me the chills whenever I play it. You talk about wanting, you know, you're running out of candy and you need that song to keep the kids away. This is the song you put on
4: <laughs> Clear Whoa. out the party
3: music? Yeah, so, so to speak. It is by the heavy metal group Sun. Basically a duo, Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson. If you've seen these guys live, you'll know what I'm talking about. I mean, they wear these monkish robes. You know, they're draped in these hoods, fill the air with fog. The volume is just deafening. A lot of these kind of subsonic tones coming at you that literally make your body quiver. They're so loud. So there's elements of drone and ambient music in there, death metal, of course. On their album, White One, they combined with one of your favorites, Jim, Julian Cope. Oh, yeah. A, a true eccentric in the English tradition, author, musician, occultist. Warlock, yeah. Yes, here's a man who has studied his paganism and yeah. knows it inside out. And for the song I'm going to play, My Wall, it's not really a song, it's almost like a 25-minute spoken word piece. He takes on this ancient Anglo-Saxon brand of paganism, Wodenism, and this tale that takes place in medieval England along the Wandsdyke, which is basically like this 46-mile barrier, hence My Wall. He's using this to set up this sort of murderous tale of treachery, really Really creepy stuff. I mean, I know we've used that word a lot here, but my God, just the way he enunciates the words, the way he spins this tale, it is worthy of Edgar Allan Poe. Then you've got that tremendous backing by these two ambient drone guys in Sun, and you have got the makings for a true Halloween classic. It's My Wall from Sun and Julian Cope on Sound Opinions.
4: That is My Wall by Julian Cope and Son. Sometimes you see the name printed as Son-O with a bunch of parentheses surrounding the O. That was Greg's final pick for a scary song this Halloween. But if you would like to share your favorites so we can get a jump start on next year or comment on anything in the rock world, call 888-859-1800. You can also email interact at soundopinions.org or connect to us on Facebook or Twitter. We'll be back in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with a review of the new album by the Scottish orc pop band Belle and Sebastian. People
8: layer on layer, they're the infernal priestess of Freya, Visiting the farms, the seething seer Visiting the farms and really leaving Mounting the tumulus, the people weaving Doden stoddering, dead and dying Honest priests of ink, whose hearkening always let us sing, that let us free our tightest waistband, lets us fertilize our own land, spunked entire nations from one phallus, spunked the vegetation into being, spilled the super seed into the one being.
4: Sound Opinions. That is a song called I Didn't See It Coming by the Scottish group Belle and Sebastian. Greg, a long-running band formed in Glasgow in 1996, one of the leading lights of the so-called orchestral pop or orc pop genre, known for the very witty, very literate, very Aerodite lyrics of Stuart Murdoch who is really the driving force in the band. Some real talents have come and gone through the group probably most notable, Isabel Campbell who uh, has a fine solo career of her own and has been making those wonderful records with Mark Lanigan but it's always been Murdoch's show They're not especially prolific in recent years, but an interesting turn in the last record, 2006. They traded Rainy Glasgow for much sunnier Los Angeles and worked with a producer who seems to have had a significant impact. Tony Hoffer has also worked with Beck, Air, Phoenix, Supergrass... Suddenly, the music became a lot more disco, a lot more upbeat, a lot more danceable. Where were they going to go on the new album, Belle and Sebastian Write About Love? Uh, It was funny. Somebody who read my review uh, wrote in and said, Well, I thought the album title was Belle and Sebastian Wine About Love. Because sometimes they do kind of wear their hearts on the sleeve. Literally, the album cover features a forlorn young woman staring out a rainy, smudgy window. Typical Belle and Sebastian imagery. We're going to play a song from the album, Come Back, Give Our Opinions. This is I Want the World to Stop by Belle and Sebastian on Sound Opinions.
7: I want the world to stop.
3: I want the world to stop from Bell and Sebastian on Sound Opinions the new album Write About Love. Jim, you use the word typical, and I think in looking at that album cover and listening to some of these tunes, it is a typical Bell and Sebastian record and I got to say for that reason alone it's it's somewhat of a letdown. I do like this band. There are 3 or 4 of their albums that I truly cherish. Their early stuff Tiger Milk especially if you're feeling sinister really established that folk rock meets orchestral pop sound in a winning way murdoch a great vocalist and also a tremendously witty cutting lyricist the life pursuit i thought was a great bounce back record hey you love Uh, that record that disco that you were talking about that more rhythmic impulse i thought that was a great step forward very promising new direction for the band where is that influence on bell and sebastian write about love i'm Disappointed that we didn't hear more of that. instead, I think they've retreated here back to uh, Melanus to an Nth degree. you know when you're bringing in Nora Jones to sing on a track like "Little Lou, Ugly Jack, Prophet John, that's not a good sign.
5: Yeah yeah.
3: They're not going in the right direction with that. There's a couple of tunes on here I like. I didn't see it coming that when it gets uh, jauntier. I love the fact that they're referencing the zombies in a song like uh, the title track. But other than that, there's not much here that I hear is really fresh and new. I think Murdoch's lyrics aren't quite as good as they used to be. The music is overly mellow.
4: At best, this is a Burn It record for me. I don't know what you're saying. You have not been so astoundingly thoroughly wrong in a very <laughs> long time. You know, I was not a fan of the twee early days of Belle and Sebastian. There was a preciousness that dragged me down. They lost that by going towards glam rock and disco on the last album. Now they're reclaiming earlier turf. This is a more conventional folk rock meets orchestral pop album. I will grant you that. But they got some hardness in L.A. And moving from Scotland to Los Angeles to record, there's some sunniness, some optimism. It emphasizes traits that have always been there, but it's less fragile. You're bumming me out. (laughs) I'm playing this album. This is making me smile. This is balancing out the Salem record I played earlier, and it's another of my favorite records this year. You're just wrong. It's a buy-it record all the way. What have we got on the show next week?
3: Next week, Jim, we have a terrific
4: indie pop band in the studio for a live performance, Best Coast. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. I'm going to treat our sound opinions team as great horror films. Our intern, Julia Mullen Gordon, she is Carrie. Our producer, Robin Lynn, she's The Exorcist. Our other producer, Jason Saldana, he's Alien. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori, Southside Malatia, he's kind of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs>
3: sound opinions everyone's a critic so now it's time to hear what you have to say
6: Messages.
0: This is Danny from Uptown Minneapolis. Just giving you a quick comment on your latest show concerning Kings of Leon's latest recorded effort. And I'd have to agree strongly that this effort is a profound disappointment. Their distinctive kind of southern take on uh, New York hipster rock is, is turning into an overblown uh, bombastic mess. It's really kind of a disappointment, but you know, uh, sometimes bands go in the opposite direction as you indicated, and I'm hoping they can turn it around, but I think we're a long way from home, fellas. Enjoy the show.
1: Take care. Hey guys, it's Sean Collins from Chicago. I just heard your review of the latest piece of Leon, which I just have no interest in buying. I love their first album. Really into the second one, and if I ever run into Bon over the edge on the street, I'm just gonna smack him. I'm rooting Kings of Leon, uh, keep up the good work. Talk to you later.
2: And it cried.
1: Hey, Jim and Greg, this is Nelson from Chicago, and I just heard your bit about the guy who's trying to pay Weezer to break up and how you'd rather get rid of, you know, the Eagles or Matchbox 20, and I can't disagree with you. Those are much worse bands, but I think you're missing the point entirely. The point is not that Weezer is the worst band. The point is that Weezer was a great band for two albums, and now they're an embarrassment to everyone who owns those two albums. Everyone who's ever said, I like Weezer, or gone to see a Weezer concert, can only feel shame every time they see Rivers Cuomo in the media. And I believe that was the intent behind the uh, push to get them to break up, because if they would just go away, we could all get over it. It's like a bad breakup. If we just didn't keep running into her at the bar, we could get over her and move on with our lives. Anyway, you live. Oh no, it
8: Shelby.
7: David Romano.
1: This is Mike.
8: And I'm calling in response to the question what band would you pay to see go away and never come back?
1: I would give my firstborn son to see Nickelback. Is
8: Nickelback? Nickelback. Nickelback. Never write another song or play another show or offend anyone's eardrums on the airwaves ever again.
7: Thanks. Bye. This is how you remind me. You remind
5: me of what I really have. It's not like you to say sorry. I was we not a different story. And this time I'm mistaken. For having you a heart was breaking. And I've been wrong. I've been down been to the bottom of every bottle. These words in my head. Staying wrong, we have yet.
1: Yeah. No more messages.